So this is how Netflix wins an Oscar. To thunderous applause. Today we're talking The Little Prince. On Netflix. If you didn't gather. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated. I am Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today on Writers Get Animated, our podcast about animation and storytelling, we are talking about The Little Prince. He's so little. Well, he, one might call him Petite. <gasps> Un Petit? Un Petit. I, was thought, I thought as a kid he was a petty prince. The petty no. prince? No, like a petty prince. Like he was petty and rude about things, or? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I didn't want black peppercorn on this salad. <laughs> that that would be quite petty. Um, <laughs> so, The Little Prince, uh, animated film, put out, originally going to be released in the U.S. by Paramount. Mm-hmm. but With trailers last- and everything. With trailers and everything, at the last moment, Paramount um, pulled out and they lost their distribution. And who should swoop in to save the little prince but the savior of nerd franchises everywhere, Netflix. Mm -hmm. So, Gilmore Girls, Full House... Like anything, Netflix is like, swoop in, save us. I don't know if it even really saved Full House other than brought it back. Well, I just I just wanted to make a, a joke about that. Like I was talking about nerd franchises and then I talked about Gilmore Girls and Full House. I would like call this nerd franchises. I'm looking it, it, at you, it, audience. <laughs> so Netflix is now now has an animated film and it starts off in their credits saying a Netflix original f- movie, which is was kind of weird. It's like, well, did Netflix really make it? Uh, they put that on everything, me. though. Like, they've bought a lot of stuff like that. I know. In, but in it's defense like, of Netflix. I know. And I love Netflix. And Netflix is, is doing some really good work. But there was something a little bit about, hey, this is a Netflix original. It's a little bit crazy because the... It had been out internationally. It was released internationally. Mm-hmm. It had won um, a Caesar Award, which is the French Oscar <laughs> for Best Animated Feature. I know, we're really Pri- sorry. I'm watching the French Oscars right now. Yeah. Prior to even being released in the U.S., it had already gotten a French Oscar. And then Netflix swoops in and says, it's a Netflix original. Nothing against Netflix. But it's just a little bit strange for them to put their stamp on it after being the, being just the people who release it. Which... I, I don't know. I feel like this might be an attempt by Netflix to see what audience there is out there for like good animation on Netflix they might be able to produce. Because they do BoJack Horseman... Um, and Voltron, which I think we've talked about both lately. Have we talked about Voltron yes, we have. lately here? 
Okay. Yeah. We didn't talk about we we said that Voltron was a thing. We haven't really discussed yeah. Voltron and its complicatedness. Um, and Bojack, we've talked about it's a thing, and that I love it, and that you shouldn't watch it if you're under the age of eighteen listening to this podcast. That's right. Yeah, fourteen. Fourteen. Mm, no, sixteen. <laughs> sixteen and are a theater nerd. That's what I would say. Okay. <laughs> if you're in AP English, I think you're good to uh, to watch it. If you're like somewhere in there. Okay, that's fair. It's a it's a just, GPA prerequisite, not a age prerequisite. <laughs> I don't know why, but there's something about the levels that it operates on. I guess we the should little... translate into um, Irish for Irish fans. though. what is the equivalent of AP Lit? I don't know. I don't know either. I'm sorry for our Irish friends. Who, it's the who thing before university, us. but it's like a more advanced literature course. That's not at university, but it's supposed to be university level. That. Got it. That's that's a good way to describe it. So now that we're done nice. talking about <laughs> BoJack Horseman and prerequisites for watching BoJack Horseman, let's talk about the prerequisites <laughs> of watching The Little Prince. So what um, is I The Little none. Prince? You say none. I say you might want to be uh, maybe six maybe five or six possibly oh okay there's an age on this one i think so um i i i give it my jack monitor jack is about you know oh my gosh he turns four in less than a month oh gosh i'm gonna have parent things happening in this conversation but um But Jack, I think it operates on a level that Jack's not ready for yet. And that's something that we want to talk about when we get into storytelling and the way that Mm -hmm. they tell their story. It's more mature in the way that it tells it. And it asks the audience to bring more to it, Mm -hmm. which I really appreciated. Um, I also, if I could put this out there right up front, there are no uh, farts and no burps. And I appreciated that. It's Mm -hmm. a small thing. But for a movie that's animated to not have a burp or a fart joke is a huge win for me. Okay. Duly noted. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm just... Because Finding Nemo, as beautiful as it is, the burping and the farting just throws me off just a little bit. Just takes me out of it. It knocks the wind out of you. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not even going to give you a look. I just completely covered my face for that. I just could not believe. Yes, it does. Um, I think that other than that, though, you don't really have to have much that you bring to this because I have, I'm going to say this, this could be one of the few times you ever hear me say this. I have not read the book. Nor have I. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's two, two for that's- two. Two for two have not read this book. Um, Every student who's ever studied French seems to have. <laughs> I studied Spanish. Um, Me too. Yo tambien. So yo tambien. Uh, so I didn't really have much exposure beyond the animated series on Nickelodeon when they did the Adventures of the Little Prince. It was an animated TV series in the early 80s and 
It was rerunning. It was on Nickelodeon? On, yeah, it was on Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon didn't have... Oh, oh, rerunning. I should let you finish your sentence. Go ahead. <laughs> and it was doing the reruns on Nickelodeon, and I was watching it as a kid. Um, I remember it making little to no sense to me why <laughs> this child who lived on an asteroid who had a Beauty and the Beast-like rose setup, you know, with a rose under glass... Um, I think he did it he, first. He would travel. He did do it first. I'm not. It was just didn't make a lot of sense to me as a kid as to what was exactly happening. Um, but I never sought out the literature about it because I don't think it wasn't until I was much older that I realized it was actually a book. Mm. I just thought it was a really weird cartoon, really weird French cartoon. Which it was, but yeah, I'm like that's not that's not incorrect. <laughs> um, there was also uh, the last time that it was done in film was in 1974, um, and the reason why Paramount had the rights to distribute the Little Prince was because they made the 1974 film. Um, so Paramount had these holdover rights. Not that they ever wanted to do anything with it, but they had the rights from it. Um, and it had Gene Wilder in there, which was interesting. He played he, he played the fox. In a, I in can like see a, that. That's good. Yeah, he was he was in like a three-piece suit with his wild Gene Wilder hair off to the side and just like speaking very calmly. If you tame me, I will be your friend. You know, it was it was very strange. I'm just imagining coming up to Gene Wilder at a bar and him saying that. <laughs> like that just seems like something he would like. He would be a method actor today and go around doing that. I can I can see that. I'm a fox. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm a fox. If you tame today. me. So uh, <laughs> that's the last time that the Little Prince has been depicted on. The movie screens. Um, there was, in doing some of the research about the original story, the last time that somebody tried to do this, not the last time, but way back when in the 1940s, Orson Welles wanted to make a live action version with animation. So Orson Welles, I, I want to write a play about this. Orson Welles met with Walt Disney about joining together to make a film version of The Little Prince. What? I want to um, be in the room where it happens. That's what I'm saying. I want to be in that room. <laughs> and apparently Walt Disney stormed out of the meeting saying, and this is all hearsay. He's saying, quote, there's only room in this project for one genius, end quote, and left the room. That's Which like the most nice thing you could say when you're storming out angrily. <laughs> There's only room on this for one genius. As if I don't know who he was talking about. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But so it, it tried to happen way before. Um, it was just like these egos coming together. That would be a really interesting meeting. Like I said, I want to 
I want to play about Orson Welles and Walt Disney trying to collaborate on something. That, I think that'd be interesting. It'd be a good play because it'd be just the one scene in the room. Right. Or you could do it Copenhagen style. We're getting off track. I know um, we're going to get an <laughs> oh no here in a second. But do it Copenhagen style. First act, them actually in the room. Second act, them in the afterlife in the same room redoing it. Oh, oh no. no. Oh no. Thank you, Chris O'Dowd, for coming back and getting us back on track. So let's talk a little bit about the original story of The Little Prince. Um, just the fact that it was first published in 1943 as a novella. It was done, and currently right now it's, where did I write this note? It's the fourth most translated book in the world. I believe that. So lots yeah. of people about an aviator who loves to draw, who is told that he should give that up. Um, as a child, he's told, you know, try to do something more useful than drawing. I feel like I've heard that in my life at some point, but <laughs> do something more useful than drawing. And then at some point, uh, he becomes a pilot and crashes in the Sahara Desert and comes across a young boy who lives on an asteroid. Mm, but he's in the desert, not in the asteroid. Right. He comes to meet him in in the desert. That's where they come together. Mm. Uh, so where his plane is broken down and they, they meet together and they have a story. So that's where the original is. This this film from Netflix takes that and bends it a little bit. And we could talk a little bit about adaptations and doing adaptations to try to figure out um, how you would go towards adapting this story and the different choices you have in making an adapt adaptation of a story. Well, my impression of the book, not having read it, is that it's not super linear it's more on the kids side of kids book great mm -hmm. i'm not saying that it's not a good book and not having read it but um <laughs> along the same lines of thinking about adaptation i think that this particular film um does a good job making a story where there wasn't a ton of story mm -hmm. and i believe that's one thing that they were talking about in the novella of this it's more episodic and the artwork, to, it relies on the artwork to tell more of the story. And it just, it's more evocative than narrative based, like you were saying, mm -hmm. linear. So um, knowing that it's always difficult to try to make something. So the 1974 live action version made it into a movie musical and really nailed down stuff and made a huge narrative, but played it to the story of the little prince and the aviator coming together. Um, with the director of the, the Netflix version, the little prince now, um, the director, oh, I have his last name. What is his first name? Um, Osborne who um, directed Kung Fu Panda. 
Of course. So uh, coming from that, he talked about using, quote, the book as sort of a beating heart at the center of a larger story that was about the experience that one can have with the book, end quote. So he, and it works. It works. And he was approached by the family of, um, of the author to say, hey, would you turn this into a movie? And he originally said no. He didn't want to touch it because the book meant so much to him and said, no, I don't want to do it. But then realized, oh, we could take it and use The Little Prince to tell this other story. Because mm-hmm. it's about the experience that someone has. And I think I read an interview that it's less like a straight adaptation where you take the narrative beats and actually show them and maybe bend it a little bit, but mostly keep that intact, where you follow the story of the little prince through and do something a little bit more like the movie adaptation, which is an adaptation of the book, The Orchid Thief, and just make it about something else entirely while you're adapting that novel. But you're not really adapting the novel. But you are, but you're not at all. But you sort of are. So, so you get something where it's an adaptation and also you're riffing with it and riffing on it. And it does a lot with talking about the experience of experiencing the book and what's that like at different times for different people. I know it follows the main little girl who doesn't have a name. She does not. She does not have a name, of course. The little girl. Um, the little girl. The little princess? No, no she's the little girl. <laughs> Fine, the little girl. Um, one of my favorite images, and I'm spoiling my favorite thing with this episode, um, and this is spoilers for the end if you haven't watched it yet. Um, visually, something they do is after, like, it's essentially the epilogue. It's the very end of the movie. And they fade in from the little girl's adventures after everything is all done to almost the same shot they used when she just started her adventure of the little girl laying in bed, staring up at the ceiling, and you're the camera's on the ceiling looking down at her. She's thinking awake in bed. And it instead fades in on that same shot of the mother who looks just like her but older in that instant. And the line before it is saying, don't forget about this experience. So it's You realize at the very end it's, about the little girl's experience with the story in childhood, but also the story of the mother and her experience with those memories in childhood. It's long-winded, but... No, it's it's very strong. I like it. It, it was very mm-hmm. strong. The storytelling, they begin with hand-drawn, talking about drawing and this idea of um, a boa constrictor eating something whole and having something inside of it. And I feel like that is a good metaphor for the adaptation of this story. (laughs) It's a boa constrictor that has swallowed whole the story of the little prince and is holding it there. It's fully intact. What's essential is there, but what you're seeing is this outer shell. And without that, you may not... The only reason why it's called the little prince is because the story of the little prince is inside of it. It could be essentially called like growing up or something like that. A better title Girlhood. that means that. Girlhood, right. Something like that. Or French or worth. 
because that's the academy they're trying to get into. I've got um, something about being essential. Right. And that's the main word. Um, Coming off of that, when you're talking about doing an adaptation, you're talking about what's essential to this story that you want to represent. Is it the narrative that's essential? Is it the characters? Is it the theme? Is there some dialogue? What is it that's essential part of this story that you're going to take and then make an adaptation of? I think There's, in this one, it's it's the end of the book is the essential part for them. Mm. And that's what they play with. I, I would agree. I mean, the, they use a lot of the dialogue that they use from the book is from the fox. That's where they spend the most time with the dialogue of the fox, who's voiced by James Franco, which is interesting. I, uh, I looked at... Is you just it? had that? <laughs> yeah. I was wondering the whole time, like, who is that? I feel like I know who this is. I feel like I know who this is. Who else so. speaks with a really airy voice and almost closed eyes? <laughs> James Franco. There we go. Um, the one that threw me off was Paul Rudd, just a little bit, but... That, that one threw me. But James Franco as the fox was interesting because it's very um, small, very methodical the way he speaks. I really kind of, I really liked it, um, his performance in that. But we get the fox and most of the themes about growing up and what's essential can't be seen comes from the fox. And they spend this whole movie thinking about um, what is essential to being a grown-up, to being an individual, to being a person of the world. What is what does it mean to be essential? Um, there is because um, we start our story with the little girl and her mother as they do prep work for an interview for the Worth Academy, which of course is called the Worth Academy, right? Mm-hmm. But it's W-E-R-T-H, but still worth. So does she have worth? I kind of read it as also a play on like worst with a lisp. (laughs) It's the worth academy. Mm -hmm. Worth, it's the worth one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that. Um, But as they're waiting for their interview for her turn, behind them is a very totalitarian poster what will you be when you grow up? And the the child's <laughs> exactly the child in this word bubble that says essential. <laughs> I will be essential, which is totally so, something you'd expect walking into like whatever the opposite of a Montessori school is. <laughs> that is exactly what this is. And she totally goes on message. They've rehearsed, and they said if you're in. They will only ask you one question and they prep for the answer for that one question. And they ask the girl something else. And then she just goes off on her rehearsed answer, which is totally incorrect for the the question they've asked. And you just see her go down in flames as the mom's like, stop, 
stop talking, abort, abort. I think she says abort at some point. She does. I feel like she does. The little girl's just like, she's so stressed out and she passes out and fails. She she fails the interview. But they move to plan B to get in, which is basically live in the right neighborhood so you can still go to that school. Which I, I kind of laughed about because the line was, they'll have to have you whether they want you or not. Yeah. I, have to... I kind of don't understand it. It might be a, it might be some kind of like French school code thing. I didn't get the... the I feel like what the word is here. The crux of that plot. Maybe, maybe it was because it's... Uh, I, I think it's both trying to be a public school rules but it's a private school it's it's like maybe they have to allow people that live in the neighborhood because if you're rich enough to live in that neighborhood you automatically go there because you're rich enough and then they let some of the other people who aren't rich enough try to apply to get in there i couldn't yeah. quite follow so it was a little that was the one sticking point where i was like is that how school works now and I started having <laughs> panic attacks of what neighborhood I'm going to live in and take my son. And, you know, I, I, I started worrying about my child's education. You are having parent stuff in this episode. I know. Right. I told you I was. There was this idea of this parent trying to prep their child for the best future to be essentially to be essential. Mm hmm. But what that means is be a cog that works in the machine is what they mean in terms of be a a cog. It doesn't matter what you do, which is a bleak way. It's it's a bleak interpretation of that. Yeah. So it's very mm. odd for them to, to use that word essential because we think of it in other things of what is essential to life, what is essential to relationships, what's essential to being a child, what's essential to a grown-up. So that one word blossoms in a lot of different ways throughout. Now, you mentioned um, this movie for you deals with a lot of... Uh, it, it depends on what you bring to the movie. Can you elaborate on your thoughts on that more? I'm agreeing with you. I'm I'm telling you your words. You're agreeing with you right now. I'm really confused. But yes, you're right. <laughs> I am agreeing with myself and you, having said what I said. Wow. Okay. So, so tell, me, tell me more about that. I think uh, the way that they tell the story, um, it starts off very much in a very clear narrative fashion, very straightforward. And then it begins to blend in the story with the little prince, which they do nicely because then they bring in the stop motion animation, which is gorgeous. Um, yeah. With this is paper one thing and wood. That's a side note. I'm going to put here. I think that animation is excelling right now using two styles of animation to tell a story. You're seeing a lot more of that in different things here. It is the paper and wood look for when it's in the book. And the more traditional DreamWorksy style when it's the current narrative flow in the present time. And you see that in other shows that are animated and movies that are animated doing that right now. <laughs> End of side note. 
Yeah, I, I really appreciated that. But what they do at that, during those, the little prince's story is told not linearly. And it doesn't quite have a point and it's very episodic and it's just this and that. And most of what you're trying to do is figure out what how it relates to the story that you're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of the story, um, most a lot of it is told in silence and visual. I think you could almost do 90% of this movie as a silent film with what's already mm-hmm. they, what they've already animated and it would be still really evocative. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I, they've done. I really feel like a lot of the book portion captures the spirit of loving a book as a kid and rereading it a hundred times. It doesn't matter what order it actually comes in. You just know your favorite parts. And it's, it deals a lot with the actual visuals of the book itself. And so I think that's why it's so visually pretty and works as a, would work as a silent film. Yeah, it is gorgeous that that animation, especially the the part with uh, when the little prince is meeting these other adults on these other asteroids. I think that was really <laughs> really fun. But I was sitting and I watched it once by myself, and then I was going to watch it with Jack, and uh, we were we were watching it, and I think we got about twenty minutes in, and it's mostly the outdoors outside plot the the boa constrictor plot uh where we have the girl and trying to get into the school and then we see her life and everything and we hadn't gotten to little prince yet and i think at that point we hadn't really gotten into the other world and jack said i want to watch peanuts so (laughs) like at a certain point he's like i can't handle this i want to watch peanuts and and what what happens in peanuts as you know is it's very simple it's very small but uh, there's something happening every so often you know it doesn't linger a lot in quiet it's not that big things happen it's that something happens outwardly there's a lot of physical comedy, a lot of stuff like that. And Jack is really into physical comedy. Um, and he didn't quite Who get... Who Right. Um, he didn't quite get there in the first 20 minutes of The Little Prince. He, he just it's wasn't... It's not a comedy comedy. It's No, it's not. It's, it's a, a little... kid's movie for adults. Right. And it's a little bit more mentally taxing as you bring up like... Uh, you know, the comedy is subtle. The comedy is really subtle. Like you see uh, the aviator who lives next door to them. The the mother and little girl have been able to move to the neighborhood. Their plan B, let's now plan A to get her in the school, has come to fruition. They've moved to the right neighborhood because they got a really good deal in a house because it's next door to a crazy old man's house. Mm-hmm. And he's tried to start a plane, and that a propeller from the front of the plane has smashed through their house, uh, which is a great sequence that freaked Jack out. He could not handle mm-hmm. the noise. The noise of that, um, I think, also that scared him. So I think he wanted to be done with it. But the co- I think they did a good job with like the the realism of the crazy old manness. Yeah, 
He like would. trying to drive with him and like the, the propeller, like always having that hole in the wall and needing a contractor and calling the contractor and calling the insurance company, which the girl does, yeah. you know, she's doc- which is such a good shtick. <laughs> Did you do this? Yes. I've contacted them. I've taken pictures out both interior and exterior. The lighting could be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's like, like, you know, I, I've done all this. So it just shows that she's, way ahead of her mom but she's not a child the yeah. fact that she it's like the f- she's eight worth years academy old. you're crazy yeah she's eight this years is the perfect old worth girl right she's eight years old because it's not her ninth birthday because they talk about the she's planned out all her future birthday presents for the right mm-hmm. age on the different curriculum that she'll be learning um and she said for your ninth birthday which is coming up, you'll get a microscope and it's already wrapped. Mm -hmm. So this is an eight-year-old girl who's left at home by herself entrusted by her mother with this life schedule of here's everything you need to do in your life to prepare for Worth Academy. These books, you have 10 minutes to have tea and an apple snack. Mm-hmm. And then you must get to work, and then you have until this time, and it's it's really well done to go through that schedule. But this girl is forced through this regimen to this accelerated adulthood at eight years old, which is really interesting, and it's no it's not surprising at all how very quickly she turns and goes to the crazy old man next door because she's mm-hmm. eight. She's eight. Of course, she's going to be like, who is this person and what's going on? Yeah, and she has no friends. Right. She has no friends. Although I didn't appreciate the moment where the the little girl tells her mom that she's met a friend. (laughs) And the mom draws a little girl with pigtails on a little button that says the word friend and tries to schedule it. So if we could fit in your friend next summer, boom, boom, right there next summer. But the fact that she puts in and says, oh, here's a little girl in pigtails, because of course that's your friend. Mm-hmm. It's like, where are the children? There are no other children in this neighborhood. We haven't seen anybody else. I mean, I appreciate it also as like an actual mom tactic that would happen too, of like, my child has this request that I don't agree with. So I'm not verbally or physically going to say no. Instead, we're going to go, okay, let's take a look at when this is going to happen. A year from now. <laughs> do you still want to do it? Because you can, totally. It's still a possibility. You can do it. It's your life. You can do whatever you want. Next year. Here, yeah, see, like, it fits. That, that's a good tactic that I will use as an adult later in life. And uh, unfortunately, I agree with <laughs> I think I use that tactic later later on in the day. Like earlier today, I think I use that tactic. Well, if you want to do that, this is this. Mm-hmm. So it's always getting something to work out. I don't know. As a parent, it it had very uh, vibes of Hook. You know, uh, the Peter Pan film with Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. And the idea of... He's trying to have a heart-to-heart with his son on a plane, and his son won't stop hitting the baseball on the roof. 
And he's like, when will you stop being a child? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he says, when will you stop acting like a child? And the kid says, I am a child. And he just says, grow up. So. This, I, uh, speaking of the parent in this movie, though, I I think this is one of the first movies that I'll have the opportunity to see where I already identify with the parent more than the kid. And I think if I saw this movie as a kid, I'd start with the kid going, like, Mom's such a bad person. And as an adult, be like, oh, my God, Mom's the best. And like other movies that I saw as a kid, I'm now realizing the parents are right. Ariel, you should get your life together and not go live on the land for some boy. Like, you're crazy. Get it together, girl. So now, as an adult, I appreciate those movies and the adults in them. But this one, I'm just rooting for the mom the entire time. Well, the mom, uh, the character design of the mom... Just looking at her face, she looks very much like her daughter. Her hair is really far pulled back, tightly wound. But there are two strands of hair that have gone AWOL and flick out and go a little crazy. So you can tell that as much as she likes to show that things are put together, things really aren't. Mm-hmm. And Visual metaphor? What? <laughs> it's like we'd run a podcast about storytelling and animation or something. So it was just my, when I saw that on her, I just said, okay, she's not all there or she's trying to hold things together. She's a single mom because the dad is out of the picture because um, the dad sometimes will send snow globes for oh, his yeah. various right. trips. So that's the only indication that we have that dad's not dead, um, but uh, he's not around. And... Um, what uh, the creators said, um, I read a, an interview and we'll post this with our show notes, but they were talking about, I don't have it written down, but they were talking about, <laughs> they, they, they couldn't have the father be in the family because a little girl would be too supported and she wouldn't <laughs> like, uh, she'd be too supported. Like she wouldn't have a reason to leave, to go to the old man. And if the mm-hmm. dad was dead, it would all be about, oh, my dad is dead and dealing with grief instead of dealing with isolation and being abandoned I think, in a way. I think this movie is about grief, though. In like for? a very human way. For the old man. He dies. Well, I know he dies. Spoiler. Thanks. Spoiler alert. I said spoilers early in the episode. If they start listening, it's fine. <laughs> But it's, it's, it's still, about grief it's in like the still, most human way. Like it's it's not it's not her grandfather. It's just some person that she knows, and she's encountering death for really the first time. Yeah, it's about the the little. It's about coming to terms with the book and what happens at the end of the book, and her friend dying, and the rose actually being dead, and it's it's taking the theme of the little prince and extending it, using the world of the little prince. It's like some kind of weird little prince like regurgitation that tastes good. <laughs> I don't know how to react <laughs> to that. I just don't. Uh, I got yes. a Nigel laugh, so I think we're good. Okay. I think um, if we, the final act of the film or the final showpiece where 
the girl is trying to get uh, the the aviator, the old man who is her neighbor, has been taken to the hospital and she wants to see him again. So she's sneaking out. And the adventure that she goes on, I think that's a masterwork in terms of pulling all your themes together in one final battle. Because it's not a battle against a villain, you know, a single villain in a way. It's there's there there is somebody who's a stand-in as a villain, but it's mm-hmm. this but the villain of the piece is forgetting what it was like to be a kid and growing up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think like it's this it's this more ethereal adulthood is the villain in a weird mm-hmm. way. But not but not adulthood and growing up, because as the aviator says, growing up is not the problem. It's forgetting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're forced into um, corporate-ish America or corporate-ish just world of adulthood, you can forget what it's like to be an empathetic child um, who can Emphasis use their imagination. Pathetic. <laughs> empathetic child to uh, see the world. See the world. For the, the, the good world. in the world. Right? For the good in the world. I'm a child. Singing my child song. Yeah, <sighs> children. Oh, goodness. I don't... <laughs> I don't know how to react to that. I'm just going to let that sit. I'll let that sit for a moment. I'm thinking of introducing a song to each of our podcasts. I'm not thinking not of... kidding. <laughs> we're just going to adventure time this now, and uh, we're going to have a song every day, every episode, every Friday. <sighs> okay, we could totally do that. So, uh, I think... But, so let's... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, you were you were about to start something. Go ahead. Let's sum up. Um, talk to me about how animation works for you in telling the story in this movie as a whole. Now that we've talked about the beginning and the middle and the end and the side story, how does the animation work for you? What does it add? Well, here's what animation allows you to do. Um, animation allows you to be intensely specific and intensely unspecific meaning that (laughs) you're looking at me kind of strange like what what do you mean by that that sentence i just said (laughs) here's what i mean by that in the world uh the the present day world you can create and craft a very specific looking world where every detail is looked at and it fits into a particular grid and is particular shape and works in a particular way. So you can build it the way you want it exactly to look and be hyper specific in that. The detail in the real world is wonderful down to um, on the life plan itself. The detail that they put on, on that is amazing. So Mm -hmm. intensely specific. We get to the world of the little prince and you get the character who's specific, but the, but the world that he's inhabiting, it's a little bit more free form. 
The settings aren't very much spelled out. It's mm -hmm. very much about color and tone and and the environment isn't very specific. Um, it's a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not stereotypical. What's the word I'm looking for? Minimalist? Sparse? Sparse. Yeah, thank you. So it allows it to be like that. Um, so it's intensely unspecific. So that way it could be a little bit more abstract, but then it could be, it has that nice tension between the two where it can look like drawings on a page and it can look like a physical world that we're used to. I think it goes to the, uh, the first part of the book and the first part of the uh, story within it when the little prince asks the aviator to draw him a sheep and the first three sheep that he draws are like no that, that's not right that's not right that's not right and finally the aviator gets upset and draws a box and says the sheep you want is inside this box and the little prince says that's exactly how i wanted it to look i think that's really what it is with making an adaptation of this movie too it's so beloved you can't make it too specific because then it won't please everyone you have to like they play with two kinds of things here i think that it just really works with what's already in the text of the book it's the movie you want it to be i i would totally agree with that and that sheep metaphor you know nah, that sheep's too old no that sheep is to this that's a ram it has horns what are you doing i said a sheep and then <laughs> here <laughs> But that creative thinking of, here, your sheep's in this box, that's, it's a gorgeous metaphor, but also it just says a lot in terms of what, uh, you know, just rethinking things. And so everything that you said, I agree with. Yes. Yes. Take it down. Audience of writers get animated. Record the time you're listening to this podcast. So then I can say, Chris Lave agreed with me at this time, 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 this time. And there are no more listeners than that. Anyway, so Mackenzie, what was your favorite thing from The Little Prince? You read my mind. Well, I've already said my favorite thing. So I'm going to go with my second favorite thing, which is the fox tail as a whole. Just like the weird, wispy, like translucent leaf thing that they had for the fox. Like the burst of paintbrush on a page, but it's this 3D animated thing. It doesn't add and to the story. I just like it. I like it. So the actual physical T-A-I-L. Yeah, the T-A-I-L of the fox. Not okay, the T-A-I-L of the fox. That's what I was like. Oh, oh, so you mean the fox's through line? Like that's what I like James Franco's out. tail. His physical vestigial tail. Great. What was your <laughs> my favorite, favorite thing? My favorite thing also has to do with a fox, but it's the the stuffed fox. fox. Bucks? The stuffed. No, fox. no, 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 no. Not fox, but the fo the the stuffed fox. Um, the journey that the stuffed fox takes, mm -hmm. um, and especially at the end, where I don't the the moment when it moves of its own and just turns its head slightly. That moment was just, that, that made me giddy. I was so excited about that moment. Because then I knew. you weren't sure this was a dream yet, here's your clue. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, oh, oh. That made me very, very happy. But it just mm -hmm. 
turns its head a little bit. And it's very subtle. It's like, did it just, maybe it got bumped. And then it turns it again to show, mm -hmm. oh, no, 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 I'm moving. <laughs> I'm, I like that it jiggled whenever it moved. Yeah. I also liked in the dark when it had like the glow-in-the-dark war paint. Oh, yeah. That, the, the fox tattoos. Yeah, that was really fun, too. But I, I just like the stuffed fox just all the way through. I felt really bad when he got thrown away. Um, the parent in, I know. The parent in me was like, now they're going to have to wash it. It's going to have to be <laughs> disinfected. And they want to play with it um, again. That happened to my sister's teddy bear at a McDonald's parking lot when we were little. But that's not a story for this podcast. <laughs> well, should we talk homework time? Homework time. Next time, we're going to be discussing something that I don't want you to watch. Like, seriously, don't do this to yourself. Don't. So it's your I homework. I wish that Krista told me this before I watched it. So your homework is to not watch Leo the Lion on Netflix. So we talked about but maybe yeah. We talked about one of the best things Netflix has to offer in The Little Prince. Go watch it now. And we're going to next week talk about something that's a low point of what Netflix has to offer. Um, Leo the Lion. You don't have to watch it. If you're feeling adventurous, go for it. Skip through it. Skim through it. But don't. You don't have to. We're going to we're going to take this one for the team we're gonna we're gonna watch it for you so this is the the room of animation <laughs> so as always thank you to our engineer Nacho Coutinho to Jacob Reed for the music catch Please. us on the web oh sorry what you were gonna say no go on no you were gonna say please like us on iTunes. Well, I guess they don't like us on iTunes. Rate <laughs> us on iTunes. Give us a review on iTunes. Uh, find us yeah. on the web on Twitter at WG Animated. Find the show notes and the links. We have lots of fun links for you to look at for this episode. Um, interviews and other stuff. Um, some cool NPR stuff. Writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash WG Animated. Oh, I didn't think of a goodbye thing. Uh, 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 draw me a goodbye catchphrase, if you please. Bonne nuit, everybody. Is that what they say in French? Bonne nuit? No. I thought it Good was. Night, everybody. Good night, was everybody. Good night, everybody. I really thought that that's what you said. Bonne nuit. There's that episode of Futurama, right? Where they're in the Eiffel Tower, there's the Eiffel Tower, and he says, Bon oui. Well, they probably say Bon oui, but they don't say Bon oui, everybody. Well, I wasn't saying that every. Oh.